So remember when about a month ago I texted you saying, where did Naomi Osaka go? Yep, and we both had no idea. But turns out she was pretty busy. The most unexpected tennis news of 2023. Well, I can tell you for sure, I did not expect her to be expecting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shrabia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shrabia and I are a college and high school gal duo and two tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So, welcome back. Happy New Year. We're, you know, it's Australia time. To it, it has been a while. And I know after our last episode, which was like over two months ago, we were like, <laughs> no, now we're like, now we're actually going to like be back to being consistent. Like, it's going to happen. And then just, it just didn't. And it's not because we're lazy. Again, it's, if we sound like a broken record, but. We genuinely have been very busy, very big transition time, college applications, starting college, but new year, new resolution for us, we are back to doing the podcast, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff coming in tennis, and we've definitely missed doing this, we would just, you know, it's just nice we would just sit on a Zoom together and just talk about something so distant from anything else that we have to be worrying about um share some laughs but we are more than anything excited to be back excited to be here with you with another episode also because this is one of our favorite times of the entire season so i think this is honestly if hotter was to be revived at one point i think this is the point of its revival yeah for sure australian open season is definitely our favorite um we've always wanted to go down under but um, it's definitely going to be a fun one. I feel like there's a lot of new players on the spectrum, like, starting at the beginning of the year. So it's definitely going to be exciting to see how this year goes down. Down under. Down under. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off with our hot headlines, as we always do. <laughs> this one is actually from today. I literally opened Instagram and I was like, what the heck? So I had posted on my like close friend's Snapchat story just randomly because I was just like reading some stuff about tennis. I was like, literally, what happened to Naomi Osaka? Like, I'm convinced that she no longer is a tennis player because where the heck has she been? Let's be real. Where has she been? It's like, Sophia Kennan is one thing. Naomi Osaka is another thing, you know? <laughs> she has been everywhere but the tennis court. Sophia Kennan, I can still think that she may be playing tennis somewhere no she's just like disappeared like as a whole but apparently she's playing tennis that's what they say yeah but i open instagram and (laughs) i see a photo of a big ass ultrasound and i'm like no one who i follow should be having a baby right now because all of my friends are my age so I would be quite alarmed if I saw a picture of an ultrasound on my feed. And then I read, like, the user. And I was like, 
I did not just post that on my private story yesterday and find out the entire reason that she's been AWOL is because she's having a baby. Yeah. So, as you said, that literally happened today. Like, this is the hottest a hot headline could ever be. So- it's, a, it's like a rebirth of the podcast vis-a-vis a birth of Osaka's baby. Exactly. So, basically, her caption was pretty simple. It just said, like, can't wait to get back on the court, but here's a little life update for 2023. Loki think life update is a pun, but that's just me and my brain, and that's how my brain works. Because, like, an ultrasound is a life update? Exactly. It literally is. Interesting. Mm -hmm. There's layers. I like unpacking this. Yes. So, then, (laughs) the cover photo was an ultrasound with this mass, like, look, we're not, like, <laughs> we're not OBGYN or anything, but that is a big baby. She's been pregnant for a long time. And just yeah. nobody knew. Like, it was so underwrapped and, like, the least expected thing. And we're going to assume the father is um her longtime boyfriend, Corday, because, but he hasn't posted yet, which, I don't know, that's a red flag, Naomi, but... Anyways, that's just me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Besides being pregnant, Naomi Osaka's message was actually really nice. She said, These few months away from the sport has really given me a new love and appreciation for the game I've dedicated my life to. Over the past few years, or I guess really two years, we've talked a lot on this podcast about what is to come for Naomi Osaka. We sort of witnessed and documented her rise. But really, it was since that Australian Open a couple of years ago that she won. And, you know, since that, it kind of went on a decline. Mental health started taking a toll. And then slowly and slowly, she started playing less and less and appearing less and less at these tournaments. And that really got us confused. Us, as in the whole tennis world, confused. Because, A, um, we hadn't really seen mental health being discussed in the tennis world yet and b it was really hard for us to kind of realize or come to terms with the idea that someone who we had all thought was the next future of women's tennis and of tennis suddenly kind of slip away so that's kind of something that i think the tennis world was really kind of shaken up by and I think, you know, this is a new chapter in her life. She's clearly still speaking to this dedication to the sport. So um, I think, you know, and, and I think, Josephine, you can share what she said later, but she did kind of talk about how um, she admits and understands that her career path is going to be a different one um, in terms of timeline. But I think that this is really exciting. Yeah, she said, um, like, towards the end, she said, I know that I have so much to look forward to in the future. One thing I'm looking forward to is for my kid to watch one of my matches and tell someone that's my mom. And just, like, come on, that's so cute. And just I think to, that's adorable. like, her message was just so nice overall because it shows, like, maybe she's, like, feeling this newfound passion for the sport because she has new motivation and I think that's amazing for her that she was able to find this motivation somehow like to realize that tennis and like the tennis world are there to support her and now 
a plus one, one coming on the way. So <laughs> it, she's just like bringing this baby to a wonderful community. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah, and she said, I'll see you guys in the start of the next one because I'll, I'll be at Australia 2024. So that's super exciting. Again, Australia has been one of her most successful tournaments. But also, just, you know, it, it is still, I think it's reassuring for Osaka fans and for tennis fans to see that she still has that dedication there and that intent is still there. Um, because, you know, she was really on her way to shaping the women's game. Um I saw a tweet that said that um, Naomi Osaka's child is going to have a best friend in Ash Barty's child because Barty also recently announced her pregnancy. Um, if you realize, she um, announced her retirement from the sport about a year ago after she claimed the Australian Open title. Um, so, you know, I think it's... If we, we're, having, we're having a lot... Of, I feel like the past five episodes we've had a new pregnancy announcement yeah or baby born yeah like literally today i don't know why or what prompted this but i was just thinking about i was like oh my god daniel medvedev is a dad <laughs> like what oh god oh right wait, i that slipped my mind wow <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> anyways we have more exciting news. Coming yes. actually in yes. a matter of a few days. Very, very exciting news. We've been waiting for this one for a while. And actually, it's been like something we've been talking about mostly since our episode with Morgan. Go listen to that if you haven't already. It's a great episode. Anyways, ne- the Netflix show, the tennis Netflix show is coming out on January 13th. It's called Breakpoint. And it's going to be kind of... Like, it's from the, they say, from the producers of F1, Drive to Survive. The, like, the same kind of show with the same kind of angle from the sport, like, behind the scenes as well as the sport itself. So it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a great way to bring new fans to tennis as well as stimulate the ones that are already tennis fans. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one thing I remember from Drive to Survive, the reason that that was so successful was, as you said, because of how it was able to bring in so many new fans. It presents the sport in a way where you feel like you're, in a way, already a fan of the sport because it's so personal with the players. It tells you, it makes you knowledgeable about the entire season's events, but also the personalities and personal lives of players so that you feel kind of familiar with the sport, even though it is an introduction, but it's really easy to understand. So... It's something that's, as you said, very accessible for new people and I think will attract attention because tennis is so global, um, so gender inclusive for the most part, um, and so kind of easy um, easy recognition. Um, but I also think that longtime fans will find a lot of enjoyment in watching it. And I think what's most interesting is what we've seen from the trailers so far, which have been pretty cool, um, and really awesomely edited, and it's, it, the sound bites and, and the intensity of it is amazing. But I think the angle that they seem to be going for is looking at kind of what this new era of tennis is looking like after the big three. It was highlighting a lot of those younger, or I don't even know if you can call these players like next-gen anymore, but kind of like the first round of next-gen players, like okay, Nick Kyrgios, Maria Sakkari, um, 
even Isla Tomljanovic was in there a little bit, um, Taylor Fritz. So it's definitely focusing on this transition period. And I think that speaks to them really wanting to target a new audience because these are the players who are kind of going to be here the longest, whereas, you know, the big three already kind of have name recognition and all that. So I think the purpose of bringing in new people is to highlight the players who are going to be shaping the tour the most in the next five, ten years. Yeah. Like, even, for example, for us, like, being... I guess, the representation of Gen Z tennis fans in tennis. It's like, we feel already, even though we have experienced it to some extent, that we missed out on this era of the big three. Like, we only started the podcast Mm -hmm. at literally the very tail end. And then, like, two years later, Roger retires. And Mm -hmm. Rafa's a dad, and his foot has an injury and all these things happen and the entire dynamic of tennis has completely shifted in this short span of time that has been our life i guess so this kind of um docu series is going to i think showcase these new players in a way that so that anybody who's new to tennis will not feel like they missed out on anything Like, this is what's happening now in tennis, and it's not like a historical documentary. What these people see is what they will get when they look into the tennis world more deeply, which hopefully happens. Yeah, yes. And, I mean, one side note, one of the people who has been probably most part of this trend of trying to modernize tennis, making it more accessible. Um, And coming from a perspective of someone who did herself come from a totally outside view, didn't know anything about tennis, but really kind of immersed herself in it and was able to bring so many more new fans in it, is Morgan Riddle. She just started YouTubing. Her channel is awesome. I watched her Hong Kong vlog. It was really cool. I watched Um, all three. They're amazing and so fun to watch. Like, yes. It's yes, amazing. I think it's I think it's really exciting, and she has been one of the um, influencers and people in the tennis world. I think it's safe, like it, no doubt, she's in the tennis world. Quote oh, unquote, for sure. You know, yeah. people in the industry refer to it as, but she's definitely made a name for herself in there and is continuing to because I think her work is very much at the um, with the same mission of this Netflix story. She was talking about it so excitedly and passionately about it when she was on our podcast. Um, a while ago but it's it's a it's a it's been a long time commitment i think with the tv show and production and she is featured in it um i believe so i think that these are two kind of new kind of media fronts that are really exciting to see tennis tapping into because honestly tennis has really missed out on to date really kind of modernizing and keeping up with other sports in order to continue bringing in new fans, especially on the younger side. So let's dive right into tennis talk. We have, like we said, a very exciting Australian swing going on right now. So that would be the Australian Open warm-up tournaments that happened last week, and even qualifiers, which I think finished today. And the most important thing about that is that Zizou Bergs qualified for the Australian Open today. No, um, he's like an NPC. 
<laughs> he's, like, he's, the te- he's a tennis NPC. Like, I do not... You texted me this, but, like, I do not believe that that man is real. Yeah, it's, like... Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. He's just, like... Why is he a tennis player? Anyways, you should he check just out... Could be, he could be a full-time TikToker. He could. Like, honestly, his like, he Instagram should, like, is he... good. Like, he has good reels yeah. about, like, the tennis world and everything. And I don't think a lot of players do that. Like, not enough players do that. Yeah. Like, all we see but, is, like, I mean, Felix's training montages, like, off-season. Those are kind of <laughs> creepy. If I'm being honest, I like Felix a lot. But, and obviously, as a social media team, like, working on those for him. Mm-hmm. But I find them too artificial. True. Like, it's always, like, smiling. Like, the sun is out, it feels sunglasses. Like, yeah. It feels like too much of a production for me to be like, oh, my gosh, Felix, that's you. Getting to know, like I can see the same thing on it's tennis. It's not TV even if him. I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morgan is the only one who knows how to do it properly. Which is, that, that's exactly. that's the point that I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so we had a couple of warm up tournaments in Australia last week. The f- kind of the main one being the United Cup, which was this new mixed team competition. There were obviously country based teams. Um, they're mixed between the WT and the ATP, which is part of what people were really excited about. It was a little bit confusing in that they played kind of like their round robin or like group stages in different cities, and then like each city would have a winner, and then there would they would play against each other until you get to the semis and the finals, where I believe it was USA versus Italy. Yes. Um, so we had some of our favorite players there um, with Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, Madison Keys, Jessica Pagula, and Desiree Krauchik. Um, comprising of Team USA, and then obviously um, played against um, Team Italy, where, I mean, it's really just Matteo Berrettini, who um, is a hotter favorite on that team. He, did you see his new tattoos? No. What are they're, they? They're so, tra- they're so tragic. Mm-hmm. It's what just, are it's they? It's just too much. I don't exactly know, but, like, they're, like, on his arm. Like, he added, like, two or three more, and it's just too much. Mm. Yeah. I wonder what but he's going a, through. It's probably he's probably like not excited to see Isla on the show. That's like so I think true. that like that's so I th- awkward. I think like cuz I don't okay, sorry. But before the US Open, when they like released the name of players who they were featuring on the show, like okay, I obviously understand why Mateo is getting featured because he is a really big fan favorite. Like on tennis Twitter and stuff, like he like people really like him. People yeah, outside yeah. of the tennis world, yeah, have of heard course. Of him. Even if it is primarily just Hugo Boss of his looks, <laughs> and yeah, but like when I saw that Isla was there, I was like, and this was again, this was before the U.S. Open, before she beat Serena in her final match. I was like, to me, the primary reason that Isla is being included in this show is because a they were like a a power a power couple like in the tennis world. Yeah. So now I'm trying to think about like what content could they be featured? Like how much content did they have to cut? Or maybe it's still there of the two of them dating. Honestly, you know be like if they featured the actual like breakup, like going through that. Imagine? I would, like that I I'm so excited to watch this. It's going to be so good. Like Casper just posted like um his trailer of like the clips featuring him and I'm like, "Oh my god." Well, I just like any content with Casper, but that's just me. No, that's not just yes. me. Yeah. No, it's not just it's literally not just you. Yeah. All right, let's talk about um Team USA celebrating their win. 
Yeah, so this was pretty funny because we love that in team competitions, things always get crazy and we always get amazing content out of it. So, like, here's this quote so that you get an idea of what happened. So, after his win, Taylor said, As soon as I won, I turned the to the team and I knew everyone's going to run at me. It was great until Francis full speed headbutted me in the face and then Francis goes, I'm still a bit concussed to be fair, but the champs are here. So <laughs> they whacked each other in the head and apparently they actually both had to get checked out because they were actually really? concussed. Yeah. Wait, actually? That's what it, that's what it oh said in the like WTA article and I was like, this is really funny. But they're going to be fine. So Taylor's going to be fine at the Australian Open. But um, just awesome that something actually came out of the Tennis United project because all we were getting were those like COVID videos and we were like, oh, okay, those are so cool. stupid. I know. We're like, I'm sorry. It was great. so dumb. Yeah. It was just like, okay, cool. Like, I see what you're trying to do, but, like, actually do something. Also, I thought it was going to be mixed doubles tournament, not, like, a mixed team tournament. Because when they mm. st- were playing singles, I was genuinely confused. <laughs> but now I understand. Yeah. Um, we also had an ATP 250 in Adelaide, um, where one of our favorites, one of Josefina's favorites, Sebastian Corda, actually reached the final. So that's a really good um, start to the year for him, someone who had a little bit of an up-and-down season last year. But Novak Djokovic took this title, defeating Corda 6-7-7-6-4-6. Oh, well, 7-6-6-7-6-4. And obviously, a super slay from Sebi. Super slay! Oh my god, he did so well. (laughs) Um, but he did yeah. take out, wait, this is kind of sad. He took out Andy Murray, Roberto Bautista, and Yannick Sinner on his way. All great wins for Sebi, but also very sad to see all those people get knocked out. I feel especially bad when RBA, like, loses to someone young, because I just remember to Taylor Fritz beating him, I think, at the U.S. Open, um this year or the Australian Open this year, some tournament last last year, big tournament. And um it was when Taylor reached the fir- like the second week of a slam for the first time and he was like Roberto has always been like a dad to me on the tour oh, or yeah. something oh like that. Oh my god, I remember and, that. And I was like Wait, that was Australian was- Open. I swear. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I yeah, it couldn't have been US Open. I think that was too late, but I just, I always remember that, and I get sad when he loses to someone young, because, I don't know, but, but this is great, um, and as for Novak Djokovic, this is his first time in Australia since he got deported last year, I, was like, crazy. we have had, okay, 2021 was the year of quarantine Australian Open, right, we had, you know, crazy, um, you know, drama with the quarantine situation in Melbourne and with players complaining with rats in rooms, um, COVID protocol, all that. Super dramatic. Then last year, we had the entire Novak Djokovic deportation saga. My snap memories, like my one year ago today um, that I got on my Snapchat today was a video of my mom and my dad trying to find live streams of the deportation trial on their phones <laughs> to figure out what the verdict would be. And now this year, I'm nervous. What is going to be the drama this year? Because Australia just, like, we just can't seem to have a season there without drama. So Djokovic is back, took his title already. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, we do have to watch out for this guy. Yeah, unfortunately. But you know who we really need to watch out for? Sebastian Corda. Anyways, let's continue. So, um, we also had a WTA 500 last week. Um, Adelaide, also Adelaide won. I don't know why I said it's Adelaide 2. But January 1st to January 8th. And, okay, Arena Sabalenka defeated... Linda Noskova, 6-3-7-6, and, like, I saw some clips of this match and just Arena playing in the other matches leading up to the final, and, like, I don't know what this girl is, like, (laughs) on, but (laughs) she's playing at some, like, insane level, and, yeah, she's, like, super slang, like, um, you know how she's always super loud? It's like that, but it's actually, like, channeled towards something. Yeah, yeah. There's some players who I'm like, being loud is so annoying. Arena's one of those players where I'm like, be freaking loud. Like, I want to hear you scream. I want to hear you get mad. I want to hear you yell and, like, say, come on. Because her energy is just unreal. Again, one year ago today, we would have been talking about her freaking double faults. Remember that? How, like, mm-hmm. for two months at the beginning of the season, she could not stop double faulting. She's someone who really kind of gains some footing last year second half of the season u.s open was really good um and she has that game and i think that you know she could have potential here on jabour also made it to the semifinals in adelaide at the sperry tournament um but watch out for arena sabalenka i think that's a that's a big confidence booster for her for sure and then we also had a wta 250 the asb classic where Coco Goff took the title, and actually, she beat Sophia Kennan in the second round. So, Sophia Kennan exists, guys. <laughs> She's, like, kind of playing tennis. But more importantly, Coco Goff solidifying the ground before the Australian Open. Super happy for her, and I think we have a lot to see from her this year. I saw another, I, saw, I just saw another tweet. Australian Open women's champions since 2016. 2016, Angelique Kerber, currently pregnant. 2017, Serena Williams, won while pregnant. 2018, Wozniacki, just welcomed second baby. 2019 and 2021, obviously because it didn't happen in 2020, Naomi Osaka, currently pregnant. 2022, Ash Barty, currently pregnant. No, I think it's genuinely because, like, the level of tennis is getting older. Like, people can play yeah. into their older years. And so we're but actually yeah, that's seeing actually a women. Good point. Like, women are actually in the, like, peak of their, what's it called, fertility at the same time that they're at the peak of their tennis. So that's why we're seeing a lot of this overlap. Very interesting. Very. Yeah. 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 Like, Rafa okay, is an now, old man. Unfortunately, we have to talk okay, about the men. that's a separate thing, but, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now we, oh, unfortunately, I have to talk about the men. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of Australian Open preview very quick because obviously we don't have the draws. Just talking about some of the main players that we think are some of the main players, not necessarily the all top seeds. Um, we are going to be missing the ATP world number one, Carlos Alcaraz. He is out with injury. Um, so that's a bit unfortunate, but uh, good that he's taking care of himself. Um we will, however, have Novak Djokovic back, the nine-time Australian Open champion, returning down under for the first time since his deportation. 
Again, already shown that he's comfortable with the on the Australian turf with that title last week. And let's be real, even though he's currently at number five, he absolutely dominated the end of the 2022 season. I don't think we realized that just because we weren't really producing episodes then. But yeah. even though he missed the U.S. Open due to his unvaccinated status, he won two indoor hardcore titles and then the Nito ATP finals. To come back after not playing in so many tournaments and then just win the Nito ATP finals is a big freaking deal. True. And it's also, I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like Novak doesn't play tournaments other than the Masters and the Grand Slams. Like, I literally can't remember the last time he did. And, exactly, and it was really just by, like, out of necessity, right? Like, he needed matches under his belt. So that's why he played those tournaments in Astana and Tel Aviv, which he ended up winning. Um, But... Yeah, but keeping up this level, like, for this long is... It's insane. Like, I I guess it has to be respected. Like, I suppose it should be respected because... (laughs) I mean, if it must. (laughs) If it must. Um, But he really has been at the top of his game for, like, ten years now? What? Yeah, the only thing stopping him is (laughs) the lack of a vaccine. But, okay. Yeah. Um... We so, also have Rafael Nadal. Yeah. yeah, we also have Rafa. Um, very exciting. He is the defending champion. Last year he won. I almost forgot, even though it was like one of I the happiest moments forget. of my life. It was. I did forget. Honestly, <laughs> I did not remember. Same. I was exaggerating. <laughs> I also forgot. Um, <laughs> but he is leading the Grand Slam um like record with twenty two Grand Slams currently. Hopefully... On the men's side. Yeah, on the men's side. Hopefully, Novak doesn't do anything to change this up. But he definitely had a really rough end to the season last year with some tough losses. Like, he lost to Tiafo at US Open. And he's only won one out of seven of his last matches. And he's been, like, plagued with injuries. Like, the foot injury, the abdominal tears, just all incredibly unfortunate and also this is his first slam as a dad another one another one who is just like planting seeds all over the whoa (laughs) no never mind okay anyways (laughs) the australian open has never been his best tournament but he does have the chance to get close to number one though like right now we have it dominated by um is he's number three, right? Car- no, Rafa's two. Carlos is one. Oh, Casper isn't two. Oh no! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Casper's two. Yeah. Rafa's so then three. Rafa's three. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, you're correct. But um, I honestly, I would love to see Rafa return to the number one spot. I was honestly expecting it last year, but it didn't happen. Uh, so hopefully that happens. Oh wait, I sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Rafa is two, Casper is three. Oh, okay. My bad. That's okay. Yes. I didn't but know. But they're only separated by 50 points. Mm. So that could change. There's like only a 50 moment. point difference between. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only a five point difference between Tsitsipas and Rude, between three and four. So Nadal, Rude, Tsitsipas, lots of room for shake up there. Um, but that aside, um, he did, Nadal, uh, 
say in a recent press conference, kind of because of all this that we've talking about the injuries and the really rough end to the last season. Um, he said, every time that I'm coming into a press conference after a loss, it seems that I have to retire. Being sarcastic, obviously. You are very, very interested in my retirement. When this day arrives, I'm going to let you know, guys. Don't keep going with the retirement questions because I'm here to keep playing tennis. Honestly, good for you. Shut them down. Tell them why, you know, they're not, you know, shouldn't be asking him that. So put them in their place. Mm-hmm. As he should. Okay, so our next player is actually pretty exciting. So we have Taylor Fritz, who has been doing amazing lately. He brought to Team USA. Like, I'm not even going to lie. He carried Team USA to the oh, victory. Fully. Yeah, with solid wins over players like Berrettini, Hercatch, and Zverev. Uh, he also won an exhibition tournament, uh, defeating Hercatch, Nori, and Medvedev. So... Great stuff from him in the lead-up to the Australian Open season. And he has somehow, like, maintained his form through since um, Indian Wilds of last year when he won. Yeah. Um, so maybe he could even... He's definitely a contender for the slam here, which is surprising if I was speaking to you a year ago. But very good to hear now because he really is one of those like Gen Zers, especially the American players. Like those like that wave of like American players like Tiafo, Fritz, Corda, if you wanna add him there. Oh yeah. Uh but he's definitely like solidified his spot in the he finished the season last year in the top ten, right? Yeah, so very exciting from him, and he has just kept it going. So hopefully he could keep it going into the Australian Open. Yeah, and I think someone, like, the thing with him that was most surprising for me after his Indian Wells breakthrough was that he continued that trajectory. Someone who I'm curious about about whether or not they're going to be able to continue that trajectory of success is Casper Root. He's the second seed here. Um Breakout season last year with French Open and U.S. Open finals. Um, didn't play um, at the Australian Open last year. His best result was a round of 16 in 2021. So honestly, I don't know what to expect. It is a big task to come back after your breakout season, especially as a player who has classically flown under the radar always. I think he will continue to fly kind of under the radar, but there is more expectation there. And mostly the pressure on himself about whether or not he can live up to his expectations as the second seed, the world number three, um, two-time Grand Slam finalist last year. Like, there, you know, there, there is that he did bring a level of game that no one expected from him. And I don't think he's, it, it could very easily happen that he could dissipate as like a one-season wonder type player. And I don't think he wants that. So there is pressure yeah. on him um, on the onset here. He's just so, like, by nature, just watching him play or, like, literally anywhere on his, like, social media, he's just so chill that people just, like, let him do his own thing. And Exactly. He sits still and looks pretty. Exactly. And I don't think it's, like, said in anyone's brain, like, this guy might be here to stay. Like, two Grand Slam finals in one year... Why are so many people underplaying that? He is definitely somebody to look out for here. And I'm just going to say that 
we are definitely rooting for him. Yes. Last person we've got is Daniel Medvedev, defending finalist. Not doing so great. Lost all three of his Nito matches. Did reach the Adelaide semis, but lost to Novak. So I really don't know what to expect. Period. I don't. There's nothing else. Like period isn't like that's it. That's all I have to say. Like I don't. Yeah. I really just don't know what else to add. He might pull something out of his butt, but like that sometimes happens. But I don't know, man. It's like the the new dad spell. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, friendly reminder that just because we are in Australia does not, and because we love Australia, and because we love the Australian Open, and because we love Australian tennis, and people does not mean that we love all Australian tennis players. Period. Does not mean that we love Nick Kyrgios, who I fear will be a major person in the Netflix show. Yeah, but that's I'm what they've shown. To ignore that. Yeah. And let's just talk about the women now, because of course. That's just best for Better. last. Yeah, exactly. So, first up, obviously, we have Iga Sviantec, the number one, world number one, Queen Iga. She absolutely, like, dominated is an understatement. The tour, last year, player of the year, 37 match win streak, eight titles, French Open and U.S. Open titles. Like, oh my god, her resume. And she reached the semifinals here last year. And she is by far the favorite going into this. But um, I don't know. Maybe things have changed over the offseason. Hopefully not. Because I feel like she hasn't played the warm-up tournaments, right? Was she in the unit? She played United, United Cup. Cup. She did? Okay. Yeah. So I honestly don't know what her results were from that. But I really hope that she well, is doing well. Yeah, I mean, the most striking result from the United Cup was, you know, Iga Swiatek is definitely by far the favorite going into the Australian Open. But the most striking result of the season so far, I think, has been Jessica Pegula's defeat of Swiatek at the United Cup. 6-2, oh. 6-2. Oh. So, we remember that 2022 was definitely a story, I, I think, of Swiatek, Dubor, and Pegula. And that's kind of how the top three players stacked at the end of the year in terms of the rankings. But I think Pagula, like, has this really, like, sw- like really swaggy confidence that can't... I've never really seen her rattled. I've never really seen her nervous. Like, remember when we saw her get to her first Australian Open round of 16 or quarterfinal two years ago? And that's where it all kind of started. And, like, the poise that she held throughout that tournament when she reached there. Then last year, she defended that run. Yeah. And, and she since was so then, it's kind of, positive. like, ball rolling. Yeah. So positive, consistently improving. She That's why she's one of our favorite players, I think, is because she has not only shown consistency, but consistent improvement. Like, someone who's built on their successes and someone who hasn't kind of faded away by hype and stuff. So, I think... That defeat of Iga is a really big mark to make going into the Australian Open. I think her competitors will be thinking about that when they see her in her section of the draw, when they see her, you know, on the other side of the net. Um, and also, like, these services do suit Pagula's game pretty well because they do play really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, of course, we have Jabour, the second um, seed here. And she definitely has had a bit of a rocky start to the year in her matches, but she made huge strides last year with, 
like one of the most match wins, which was 46, two titles, and two Grand Slam finals. So hopefully, if she does make it that far, she can finally close it out. Because to be 3 for 3 would definitely be disappointing. And I think that's the point where it would start to rattle her um, in, like, in future finals. But hopefully, if she does get that far, she finds it in herself to just close it out, get the title. But in other news, very exciting news, she actually signed on to Osaka's um, agency. And she also joined the new PTPA Player Executive Committee. So <laughs> she's definitely been, like, working on her tennis extracurriculars. <laughs> yes, her supplements are looking good. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about the PTPA in a while. I literally just saw this in an ESPN article, and I was like, I have not heard about the PTPA in, like, a year. <laughs> um, to give you a little refresher... This was a players' union sort of thing um, that's being formed by Novak Djokovic and Vasek Pospisil, kind of with the intent of giving players more more of a um, voice in how the tour works and functions because they don't feel that the ATP and WTA player councils do or ATP and WTA leadership don't do do an effective job at that. So other people on this committee, in addition to Jabour, are Paula Bedosa. John Isner, Hubie Hurtcatch, Bethany Medic-Sands, and Sai Sai Zhang. So I'm interested to see what's going to come of that because I feel like this is the first official sort of organization we're seeing by the PTPA. Yeah. We also have some other contenders that we want to talk about on the women's side. Coco Gauff, um, number seven in the world. She is getting closer and closer to slam, slam contention. I feel like it's the type of thing where like it's building up, it's building up, it's building up. She's making these steps. She's getting titles. She had huge success in singles and doubles last year, getting the number one doubles ranking and starting the year off with a title. And she qualified for the WTA finals last year. So again, these things are slowly building up. I think she spoke to how she really felt she had that French Open and, and you know, getting to the final meant so much to her, but like also hurts a lot when you get that far and know a lot of people have belief in you and you do as well and then it just doesn't happen. But I think that she's someone who this year we will continue to see making some strides because what was impressive about her last year was that I think she finally learned how to handle pressure. Yeah, for sure. And, like, still to be so young and just to learn so quickly, amazing. We love her. Um, and then we have Caroline Garcia, who was the WTA Finals champion. Let's just talk hmm. about that for a second. Literally, when, <laughs> how, what? Anyways, she was definitely like a resurgent player, U.S. Open onwards. So the fact that she was, like, between August and, like, what was it, late November, that's a long period of time to, like, continue consistently playing well. So I hope she can carry this into the Australian Open because I definitely like her. She definitely seems like one of the nicest players and just always has a smile on her face and is super nice to, like, watch play because she's so, like, positive positive. But um, on the other hand of the spectrum, uh, we have Arena Savalenka, who is finally showing some consistency. Her best result at the Australian Open is the round of 16. And the past two years, she has gotten to the round of 16. 
Hopefully, she can keep it up this year. She had that amazing title in Adelaide um, literally last week. So, Australia seems to be looking good for her so far. And I would love to see her do well because she really... I feel like she really needs to put this new energy towards something. And that could be the Australian Open. Thank you so much for joining us. And that is Game, Set, and Match for today. And if you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the Australian Open continues. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.